producer's chair for Adam versus the man on this wonderful... Oh, hey, now we're live, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Adam versus the man. It's Corona Tuesday here. And in the producer's seat for Adam versus the man filling in is Mercedes Dermatowski from Nebraska. Mercedes, good morning. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for everybody joining us with a 15-minute late start on the live show today. Thank you so much for being our loving, committed, active, and engaged audience supporting making this show possible. And, you know, again, this court, it, 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 is, it is Mercedes. Now, with a start like this, how can Adam versus the man avoid a little navel-gazing in the morning? Now, I just this team that we have behind the show right now is incredible, and it means so much to me that, you know, when, when CJ has has an issue or Jim has an issue, like today, <laughs> man, we, we know what's going on with CJ. CJ is okay. Don't worry about CJ. Uh, but he's dealing with some some uh, some personal issues. And Jim Jim's MIA as of this morning, but uh, we know that he's got a lot going on as well, as, as so many people do today. And, you know, the fact that I can just show up and rant for two hours and have awesome guests to interview and a great production team backing me up really means the world to me. So thank you, Mercedes. Today, our guest is Daryl Cotton with 151farmers.org. And he has a story of cannabis and regulation and civil disobedience. And I'm, I'm really excited about this. Aquaponics with weed. Now, I have, I have mixed feelings about Every every word I just used in that phrase to describe that, but uh, this is like this is the stuff that uh, gets my juices flowing. This kind of innovation and cutting edge stuff. And surprise, surprise, Daryl in just trying to be the I don't know I don't know if this is fair, but trying to be the aquaponics weed guy has run, surprise surprise has run into some some issues with the law. So we're going to be getting into all of that today. It's Tuesday. So we're talking about the virus, which, which shall not be named. Uh, I will name it when we go into our Corona block. And at, so we have we have three blocks today. We're gonna do. Well, we've got a headlines grab bag of just sort of like you know, gotta catch you up on what's there's. Ooh, Mercedes, you know, we did this, we did this segment yesterday about Corona relief bills and. <laughs> CJ is back there. <laughs> that was not me. Oh, so, so <laughs> that was CJ. CJ is—he still got well. Okay, so CJ has a migraine. I'll just tell everybody now. He's got a visual uh, migraine. He can't push buttons really, but he's gonna be watching over us as a guardian angel to make sure that we—I do not screw this up. It's me. Well, so so that was that was our coronavirus containment device, that little mm-hmm. video clip, and we plan we plan on using this, uh, but uh, to, to to intro our and outro our segments today. Uh, but uh, it's it, it's also any time that the virus is uncontained, we play that clip and and it kills the virus right away. So like you know, regardless, like just it's science, people. Like you can't dis you cannot disregard the science. We have a unique innovation here on Adam versus the Man that allows us to completely contain this virus, which shall not be named. All right. So that being said, Mercedes, let's get through our promos. Adam Adam versus the Man dot com. Yes, yes, go, yes. Let me show you the screen. website. Hold on, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I, have no, no. Yeah, I wasn't talking to you, Mercedes. I'm talking well, to the no, audience. It's, it's okay, right here. Go to the website. I go did to the it. website. See, you can go to the website. That's our store. And from the website, you can find Patreon, patreon.com slash Adam versus the man, where $10 a month 
gets you uh, exclusive access to our producers club, which is it's it's so much fun. This is this is how we put the show together every day. This is the behind the scenes conversation. This is how Mercedes got involved, and uh, my brother Alden is getting involved with the show now. And uh, this was uh, Jim and uh, and CJ's creation. Really, got to give them credit for this. But man, I love it. The producers club. This is this is my editorial team. This is how how we make the show happen. And of course, you don't have to be a part of that. You don't have to help me whitewash the fence and put the show together in order to support it. You can just be a grateful patron at ten dollars a month and uh, support the content that way, or by buying merchandise on the store. Yeah, that's right. Yep, and I know. Not, I clicked oh, it back. Over there. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, if you are a producer club member, you get fifteen percent off and free shipping. It's a pretty mm-hmm. cool deal. And uh, this is our last week. This is last chance because uh, this was a new website. We're not sure how things are going with this, but make them debate.com. Oh, I and, didn't actually uh, even we, load that one. I'm sorry. I forgot my own okay. website. If we can, it's, it's a pretty easy URL to remember. Great branding, great concept. and uh, Super easy, yeah. and we've done it. It's not like it doesn't work. It's just that yeah. I feel like the season's over for it now because we're not in election season anymore. Well, maybe we're we're the only nerds that like debates, and I am here for it. Well, so Mercedes, maybe it's that in 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 election season, there's more. uh, It's like, why am I listening to two not candidates debate when I could be listening to candidates (laughs) debate? I have an interest in hearing. You know uh, the, the 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 difference between red flavored socialism and blue flavored socialism as portrayed by this Republican candidate or this Democrat candidate. And if I don't get that, then it's a waste of my, my debate-absorbing energy. I, I, I don't know if that's – that, I, I just think that, that people, have a, people like you and I, I mean, if we could, we're the kind of nerds that would, like if, – if, if all other things being equal, it would not be, like, a, a, a dystopia for us to have to sit and, like, watch and listen to and participate in debates, like, all day is our jobs. Like, we'd be totally cool with that. I'm Most your people debate manager. Kind of those people have a limited capacity for intellectual conflict. Uh, and that's, that's unfortunate uh, because it's we fine. can figure out a lot more uh, if, if, if we aren't limited by that. It's okay. But uh, <laughs> finally, CigarFederation.com, promo code ADAM10, ADAM10, gets you 10% off there. And uh, we have a cigar story today. We're going to find out how related that is to our uh, to our, our affiliate partner here. But remember, this is the company with uh, with my staff sergeant, Staff Sergeant Kelly from Iraq, who I think we both saved each other's lives a few times. He's definitely saved mine more than, than I saved his. But, uh, yeah, check out CigarFederation.com and uh, promo code ADAM10, ADAM10, gets you 10% off there. So, um, <laughs> so I, I don't know if uh, – CJ or Jim is going to join us uh, and, and, and watch comments, but... Um, I'm watching saying, comments as well. I told you I can multitask. It's not very good, but, yeah, good morning, Freedom family. Thank um, you for joining us, Craig. Um, and then uh, Camille, oh, and Michael. Oh, Michael, how are you? I love you. He's one of CJ's friends. He's a cop, a former cop out of New York, New Jersey. New by York. the way, one of... Craig also Craig shared a story. One of the things, I mean, I, I, I got to say a couple things first. I, I I love about the Producers Club how it gives me confidence in this show's editorial <laughs> completeness. In that I I know that I'm not missing something. Um, if if I 
can, if I if I cover a story and I miss an angle, people will come and, and you know catch me on it in the producers club. But Craig caught himself sharing a story, but I think I didn't catch this one because he caught himself on, that it was a year ago. He shared a story and was like, "Oh, whoops, my bad. This is old news." But I, it, it, I, I I'm going to mention it real quick because it's hilarious. And I missed it a year ago, but apparently it was, it was cops in New York in the Bronx or something. They there was a woman who had in her house a collection of fake guns, like plastic. Now they were like realistic replicas, but they were not like fake to to be portrayed, you know, used as fraud in real life. Like they were clearly plastic guns. And apparently she used them for she would rent them out to production companies and rappers for making music videos in New York. Oh, yeah, all right, all right, cool, you know. And they raided her house and stole the guns and tried to get her, or the, the plastic guns, the props, and tried to get her. And there's there's a picture. And, you know, I don't know if you want to, if it was CJ, he'd be like, I'll pull this up. But don't worry about it. You can, you can use your imagination for this. It's exactly how you would picture it. it. It's like eight cops standing behind a table in a big, you can tell it's a basement of a government building, kind of like evidence room, standing around a table with, yeah, twenty plastic gu- and and they're like, oh, do you look, look. They, they actually put out a press release that said, we got these unsafe or we got these dangerous guns off the streets." And you're just like, "Oh, here's your article. I found it." Yeah. Now, if you want to pull up that picture, you see it's exactly what I. It's not. It's like. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. There it is. What is it? There's just four, a whole, yeah, nine. Yeah. Nine of them. Nine cops. And I would. I was thinking about for a second myself in this, like, if because I was almost a cop. Um, not almost, not like I was that close. But at one point when I was in the Marines and my dad was like, you know, we get out, get a, you know, regular job, job, job type job. He's like, you know, and, and he's, he's always been encouraging of me to, you know, hang my higher. I'm not going to say he's like, yeah, man, just be a cop. It was sort of like, get that experience while you're young, while you're in the Marine Corps Reserves, you know, be a state trooper in New Mexico. And it's not... Uh, uh, yeah, we were it's both okay. pretty ignorant about it. Yeah, thank you, thank you for saying. It's okay. that. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I, I did, I did genuinely like consider it, and it was a, a, a real option for me. And I'm so glad I'm not in a picture like this because holy shit, I don't think I could live with the embarrassment. Like, you know, we're so tough. We stole pl- plastic guns from a woman in her apartment in, in the Bronx. Yeah, we kept these dangerous guns off, the- and it's like all yeah. of these. You know, we have this. You know, and, and I think I think it's one of the important things with the show, and the reason I'm getting into this a little bit is, you know, again, we're going to start with navel gazing. Fifteen minutes late today, right? But the, um, <laughs> the, the part of what we as Americans in general, and, and even as libertarian, even me, you know, when for, for things that I have yet to critically examine, I have a, a false image of America, of the world, uh, through. The mainstream media, right? Like, and and I have this, imp- like, for all of the headlines like that one that I've skimmed and not gotten into, mm-hmm. and, and Drudge Report is horrible for this. A big part of what we do on the show is like, let's take the Drudge Report and filter out the bullshit and then translate it from statism into normal language. Exactly. And, well, I should say normal, abnormally accurate and honest language <laughs> as, as yeah. we tend to unfortunately do sometimes to our detriment as libertarians but uh, so there there's so many stories like this and I, I want to just start today's show because we are going to talk about corona today as uh, with, with a reminder of this positive perspective 
it, it's so tempting, and, and, and this is true, not just about the mainstream media, this is, this is a little deeper than that in terms of how the human mind works and, and how we communicate and how we try to manipulate each other. It's constantly, humans are trying to manipulate, like it's, you know, it, and it's not always malicious, but there's always a form of, of manipulation beyond just honest communication uh, for, for all people. And I'm not saying like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm special, I just happen to be aware of it in this, in this particular way. But all of the false impressions that, that people give each other in order to manipulate each other are more negative than they need to be. It's not like, hey, everything is okay, and everybody loves you, and human beings are fundamentally good and, and uh, compassionate and, and, and want to help each other and, and live in harmony with each other, and therefore buy my widgets. You know, like, no, you see, it's, it's, it's a big part of it is commercial, retail, sales, consumerism, but, it, 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 again, it's more fundamental than that even in how we see the world. And when we indulge or, or fall for these manipulations, this, this uh, almost a gaslighting, like, oh, my God, you're crazy because you're secure and happy and, and, and you think that people are loving and good. Oh, my God, how, what's wrong with you? Look at the world. It's a scary place. There's, everybody's out to get you. Look at it. And you go, well, you know, most of us, have, you know, grew up with, uh, with with loving families and, and loving communities. And, and, and if you look at your experience through that lens, you go, the world is not as scary and dangerous and cold and harsh and hateful a place as a lot of these false manipulative narratives would have you believe. And that's why I love, you know, I love working out. Uh, because it's kind of meditation for me. I love yoga. It's it's a it's definitely meditative as well. But taking the time to just breathe and recenter yourself and indulge in a little you know self love in order to reframe your view of the world and your perspective. Really, it, it's like at least for me, it, it's not automatic. It, it's kind of a discipline to maintain that positive framing and to you know maintain that positive view of humanity when when so many people think that uh, they can manipulate and control you because they can, if they can make you afraid and they can beat you down and put you in a negative frame that they can save you from. And, you know, you don't, you don't need that. Uh, and, and I hope an important part of, of what we do with Adam versus the man in the journalistic context and the, in the bigger social commentary game is helping reframe that and remind you how loving and, and positive humanity is and the whole human experience is and how good it is to be alive and why that, there are so many reasons in the world to put a smile on your face despite all the shit that we have to cover, especially today, talking about corona. Yep. But, Mercedes, as you know, this is one of the reasons why we have a little format update for the show. And so we are, we're sort of filtering out Monday through Thursday the really good cutting-edge news to save that for Friday. So Fridays, it'll be the cutting edge of good news, the cutting edge of, uh, of science, technology, innovation, understanding nature, aliens, <laughs> and exploration of the cosmos. So we're, we're saving all those. But um, for today's show, yeah, we do have uh, we have a headlines block, we have a corona block, and we're not taking callers because we've got a guest and we're late. we got a lot of headlines to get to. Mm. But uh, if Mercedes is watching comments, top comment today. I feel, by the way, I feel like there's, there's, there's been a comment 
unspoken on this show almost every day. Certainly every day we do a contest to win mm-hmm. membership in the Producers Club because it's like the producers tend to win the contest more than non-producers. If you're already a member, you can't win. And it's like they're defending the exclusivity of the Producers Club for us. Like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't just come in here and be the oh, be the top comment of the day because you wanted it and no one else cut have to be as funny as us, as funny as us, and I'm not funny. Just kidding, I'm hilarious. <laughs> well, best contribution to the show in the comments today will win membership in the Producers Club, and since it's Tuesday, we're taking comments about Corona, and, and one more quick logistics update. The reason we are in the mobile motel studios of Adam versus the Man today, the quilted studios, the yes. quilted, quilted remote studios of Adam versus the Man, we are... The joke only works if you're watching the show, not listening, by the way. Yes, my background is the Freedom Quill. Uh, But tomorrow, uh, my wife and I are going to be getting our COVID test here at a Walgreens in order to go to Hawaii and avoid the quarantine. Now, I kind of wonder, like, part of me, I've stopped a couple times and been like, wait, who cares? If you go to Hawaii and you're under quarantine, you're you're in Hawaii, then, like, still, I mean, yeah, you don't get to do the fun tourism stuff, but... You're still in Hawaii well, in a hotel. Well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, yeah, I mean, like, we plan on spending most of the time going, like, ocean, beach, pool, hot tub, sauna, ocean, sauna, pool, yeah, hot tub. You know, like, that's, yeah. That sounds and, dirty. Like germs. There's a lot of germs. <laughs> and we're going to spread corona everywhere. Tubs. All over Hawaii. No. Um, so, but we are getting the, the COVID test tomorrow morning, so we have a special episode tomorrow, and Hopefully Jim is uh, Jim is back with us. Still haven't heard from him at least on on Telegram this morning. Um, uh, you know, hoping everything's okay with him and his family right now. Uh, but tomorrow uh, we're gonna go early, and if they're organized, you know, we'll just be starting the show late and just j- jamming back to the hotel here. But our appointment is for 9 a.m. Pacific when the show starts. <laughs> and uh, the thing is, I want I want to like okay, so you go to Hawaii. And you're under quarantine. And if you're not under quarantine, what can you do? You're still getting takeout. It's like, okay, now you can put on a mask and get in a taxi or walk to a place and get takeout and carry it back to your hotel. Like, what, is stuff open? Um, we'll find out. It's, it's opening. So Hawaii, my understanding, Mercedes, is that Hawaii is desperate enough with the lack of tourism and the devastation of the economy. They they kind of have to try to open things up. So I'm, I'm looking forward to being a part of this historic moment of humanity overcoming Corona in the name of tourism and and love. Yes, love and tourism. Sorry, my husband delivered me coffee because he loves me and loves that I um, love him, I guess. So, yeah, let's go on to the uh, coronavirus. All right, let's, all right. So it's let's see if before we get to our guest in the next 25 minutes, we can zip through our, uh, our, grab, our headlines grab bag. And, oh, refresh the screen so I can see what's going on with Mercedes here. I'm here. And, and our block. So yes. we're going to, we're going to, our first Corona block. Then we'll do our guest, and if, if we have time afterwards, we have a really good vaccine-specific, we have, we have like two Corona blocks. All right, so let's just jump, jump into it. Okay. NBCnews.com. The, oh, uh, now my, shoot. I lost the page. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Uh, what happened to my internet connection here? 
Uh, sorry about that, Mercedes. All right, I, we'll go to the I, next I, one. I'm still here, and I have the first one up, so it's okay. I'm with you. Uh, it's okay. So, Mercedes, go to the next one. Okay. Theblaze.com has this headline that CJ shared with us in the Producers Club. Newly elected GOP Freedom Force unites to fight socialism and the squad. And uh, when CJ shared this to me, uh, with, with me on, on the Producers Club chat, uh, he said, Adam, you might want to sit down before looking at this because you might have an aneurysm. Now, I'm, I'm not quite so emotionally invested in politics, CJ, as to have that kind of emotional reaction. But thank you for the warning because for some people it is due uh, if, if you can't handle the – I don't want to call it the stupidity. There is a certain stupidity, but it's more like the appeal to stupidity. That's offensive in this. Uh, There's so many problems with this story. I mean, this is one of those things that makes me embarrassed to be an American. I mean, first, uh, for anybody in the Republican Party to call themselves the freedom anything, uh, go fuck yourselves. Seriously, uh, go fuck yourselves. Like, uh, crawl into a hole, go fuck yourselves and die. Like, uh, the, the peddling fake freedom in American politics is responsible for so much of the evil and perversion in the United States. In a way, uh, if it is the, the Democrats who are pulling America to bigger government in the left, uh, they're at least doing it kind of uh, relatively openly and honestly, because when the GOP is pulling, uh, helping them pulling America to the left in so many ways policy-wise, they are subverting, they are, they are deceiving that uh, you know, heart and soul of red-blooded America that actually cares about freedom and and pacifying them with this kind of bullshit propaganda that oh yeah we're we're the freedom force we're the counter to the squad and you go now I, I do have to do a little background for those of you who are, are maybe tuning in for the first time and haven't really taken an honest look at the duopoly that we live under today we don't really have a two party system we have a one party system the Republicans and Democrats really represent the left wing or right wing um, in terms of flavor and propaganda of the American Socialism Party. Uh, what, and I go, well, socialism, well, yeah, look at the actual definition of the word. You know, social ownership of means of production. Well, where are we with socialism in America right now? We have mostly socialized medicine. If you look at the flow of money, how much of it is determined by government policy, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, it, it, VA, et, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we have socialized retirement, social security. We even, hey, social is even in the word there. We don't really think of it because it's been propagandized out of the American mentality. But we have socialized defense. And it's not like uh, the founders supported this. The founders of this country were against a standing army. And, you know, you go back in the history, again, part of this uh, subversion is the Constitution itself that we live under today is, is the product of an illegal coup against the Articles of Confederation, where the founders of this country, who said, screw you to the king, were against socialism, were against standing armies, were against central banks, and the people who made the Constitution are the ones who screwed it up by creating that central authority in order to pervert that American heritage of freedom and standing up to tyranny with a a strong central authority to, to have a standing army, to socialize defense and to have and to socialize money, which is even more foundational than that. But you know, what's the alternative? Well, what were the founders for? A, a militia-based defense. Now, sometimes I, I say that you know we've got red-flavored socialism and blue-flavored socialism as our choice in America, and that's certainly true. But that's what I'm trying to be nice about it. 
there's uh, uh, there there are much more pointed and, and words that are triggering. Yeah, and by the way, this whole segment is going to be triggering to people, you know, on the right who genuinely at some level believe in freedom, but have fallen for this constitution racket, have fallen for the Republican Party fake freedom racket. Uh, so to be as to be more direct and blunt. It, it's really red-flavored communism and blue-flavored communism. You go, Adam, okay, I, I get it. You're saying, you know, some things the Republican Party does policy-wise are socialist, but that doesn't make them socialist. But how dare you call them communists? Well, <laughs> uh, by using Marx's definition, right, let's look at the ten planks of the Communist Manifesto. You go one by one. The United States, um, primarily through federal policy, has most of them partially or fully implemented. You know, control of the currency, control of education, control of public land, uh, control of inheritance. There's so many things uh, in the Communist Manifesto that you go, whoa, shit, you know, are we communists or not? And some people say, well, look, you have, you have market forces here. Well, that's always the case. But it's like if I was cooking burgers and, you know, I, I, I said, you know, well, you know, I ran out of patty when I was making yours or I ran out of, of, of patty meat. And uh, I only had half, you know, I only had half the meat that I needed. So I, I pooped in my hand and I took that poop and I mixed it in with the meat. And now your, your, your burger here is half meat and half poop. You'd be like, uh, no, thanks. Adam. I'm pretty sure that's a shit sandwich. You know, and it's the same thing with socialism and communism and dare I say even fascism. Yes, fascism as Mussolini defined it, the merging of corporations and the state. Now, if the GOP suddenly actually had a, a meaningful campaign to, to separate uh, you know, corporatism, uh, separate corporations from government in the United States, I, I get behind that. But the fact that they don't, they, they support that kind of fascism. So really, you could say we have red-flavored fascism, blue-flavored fascism, or communism, or socialism. And in all those cases, you would be correct right? and, and a lot more accurate in describing the duopoly. So then, okay, back to the story. New, uh, and, and Mercedes, let's, let's get the picture of all these, these lovely ladies up on screen whose faces that we can't see. Newly elected GOP Freedom Force unites to fight socialism in the, and the squad. Is this the start of something big? And uh, it's, it's, I almost don't have to read the story. Like, it's, it's exactly what you would think. It's people on the right adopting the tactics of the left to beat the left. <laughs> oh, oh, and the, the, just the hypocrisy goes further, but the story is uh, four incoming Republican members of Congress with personal experiences with communist or socialist countries are teaming up to form a freedom force to stand up to the radical left, and they want more members of the freshman class of lawmakers to join them. And uh, I hope that nobody falling for this is so ignorant of American political history then I have to point out that, oh, yeah, in the last four years, Trump grew the federal government with, you know, Republican support in, in, uh, in Congress, that uh, government has grown under Republican presidents, Republican Congresses, uh, just as much, if not more so, at, at the federal level. It kind of depends on what metric you use. But to, to say that the Republican Party is, is even the party of smaller government compared to the Democrat is absurd. It, it is. It, it's not just absurd. It's criminal, because it, it's a fraud, and, and it's a fraud that hurts people. It's a fraud that promotes socialism. Uh, it, it, if you buy this fraud of the Republican Party and give them any of that credibility, yeah, you are reinforcing their ability to force red-flavored socialism down our throats as the alternative to blue-flavored socialism. 
And so this this squad, uh, you know, if, if they were part of the Libertarian, if they all defect and join the Libertarian Party, uh, if, if they get, you know, meaningful legislation passed or if they actually do something other than pay lip service to freedom, you know, hey, I'll eat my words. But I I can say that because I've been right over and over and over and over and over again because I, I understand how this duopoly, uh, you know, fake two-party system works where the option for freedom is to support candidates like this, to support politicians like this, who call themselves the Freedom Force and say that they're anti-socialism and they're fighting the squad, which, if you don't know, is, is uh, AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's uh, squad of, uh, of liberals, uh, liberal Democrats in, in the U.S. House. Again, using, using the, the left. And I, I, I'm not here to say, like, yeah, you, you, well, you can't use the tactics that your enemy uses. No, like, that's fine. But the tactics here are political deception, propaganda, and emotional manipulation. Like, look, we have a squad. We're staying together against socialism. We're pro-freedom, and you can support us and feel good about yourselves. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, give me give me a harsh, refreshing truth and reality over a comforting delusion any day. Give me freedom and libertarians, not Republicans, pretending to be anti-socialism while putting out insane, ridiculous propaganda like this that I, I hope uh, only a, a tiny sliver of, of Americans uh, are, are still loyal to the Republican Party and, and gullible enough to fall for something like this. All right, so back to NBC for the big headline today. Yeah, this is the actual important news. House votes to override Trump's veto of $740 billion defense bill. The Senate will vote on whether to override the veto. The House voted Monday to override President Donald Trump's veto of the $740 billion defense authorization bill, the first vote to override one of Trump's vetoes by a chamber of Congress and a dramatic rebuke by Democrats and members of his own party. This is how Trump is spending his lame duck session. If he's you know, challenging militarism, he's trying to, uh, you know, well, but he's not. What did he do? Remember, we covered this yesterday in Trump's legacy in, in our opening segment, the, the pardoning of, of the Blackwater security agents responsible for the uh, the Haditha massacre, uh, shameless. Uh, well, I guess shameful, extremely shameful. And now I'm like, uh, this is, t- sorry, too little, too late, Mr. Trump. This is bullshit. Uh, you you try, trying to give us more, like, I'm, no. I, I, it's embarrassing that they're still Americans. And, and, I, and dare I say, even people who at least are purported former libertarians, there's even some libertarians who, who are still falling for Trumpism. All right, dailynews.com, New York Daily News. California teen shot by cops was struck twice in back. Officers removed bullets from his body, according to the lawsuit. And this is just, this, is, this was, uh, this is from a few days ago, shared in the Producers Club. Uh, I didn't get to it yesterday. Just uh, a quick story worth knowing. A California teen who was shot by police in June was twice struck in the back, according to a lawsuit, which also claims officers removed bullets from the boy's body by hand before paramedics made it to the scene. The federal suit filed Monday counters the Hayward Police Department's version of the story of the 17-year-old from Stockton, about 15 miles south of Sacramento, posed a threat to authorities as he drove away from a CVS that had allegedly been looted. And uh, if it, we're going to follow up on the story. Uh, I'm, of course, w- w- 
police lie more than people lie about police, right? So um, I'm I'm definitely inclined to believe, and you know, just based on my understanding of the world, that uh, that, that this accusation is is accurate. Uh, and you know, I can't I can't say for certain because it is it's pretty frightening. Think about it for a second. Police shot this guy and then went to him by hand, pulled bullets out of his back, and then arrested him and, and you know, tried to say, oh, we, we, we shoot him. Like, covering up the evidence of a shooting by actually assaulting the dude. And, I mean, there's so many medical problems with that story. If that's true, this is a, a horrific new level of police abuse that uh, – you know, this is, and by the way, this is a wake of George George Floyd's killing. If you're thinking that, yes, uh, you know, looting CVSs was a thing for a while this year. Yeah, part of 2020. And uh, I re- remember, I've I've been warning people. I started warning people from the beginning of this that the um, police in America are, are in, in in a way more likely to leave you alone, but also when they don't, probably somewhere on the scale of five to ten times more dangerous. Because they know that they're not going to be held accountable the same way as they normally would. So, yeah, definitely going to be coming back to that story. Next, from the WashingtonTimes.com, American youth too flabby to defend nation. Retired generals say, this is not a new story. Um, but this was from, uh, from the Producers Club. A group of retired military leaders is warning the Pentagon that most of America's youth is too out of shape to defend the nation. And I think, I mean, this has been a story that's kind of tracking with the obesity epidemic, uh, I mean, over the last several decades. And I I remember even when, uh, when I enlisted in, in 2000, well, technically in 1999, uh, but when I enlisted, this was a thing, or even back then, like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, we, we are, it was, and, and then as a recruiter's assistant, you know, I was part of that struggle to get kids. Uh, to be fit enough to go to Marine Corps boot camp. Like, oh, come on, you got to be able to do a pull before you go, uh, you know, things like that. And and it is scary, but these headlines, every time they come out and, and you know, we're at a new level with um, the organization, uh, a group of retired military leaders warning the Pentagon. Is, this, is, this is the point that it comes up. Like, and the funny thing about this, to me, looking at the bigger picture, is like, uh, they're not going to – cry over this there 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 are certain honest people in the military willing to point out things like this um but they're just going to get robot soldiers like that's where this is like where, where's this going like they, we're on the verge historically of uh human soldiers being obsolete and that's pretty exciting in terms of human progress like if, if we already i would say just because of the internet effect and, and communication, global connectedness, that the idea of a full-scale force-on-force war, as in the past, is just no longer possible. That's obsolete. Uh, you can't get millions of gullible young men to put on silly uniforms and meet in the middle of a field where none of them live and kill each other because they're wearing different colors. That's what war was in the past. And Global war on terror, then covert wars, and, and what we're seeing today with the uh, the war on on your health, uh, the the bioterror war conducted by government. We're going to get to that, and I, I apologize to our guests. We're going to take a few extra minutes here. We got to get through this first Corona block, but uh, 
Next headline from Bloomberg, Quint, world's top cigar producer, enjoys boom amid COVID lockdowns. And uh, this is for the, uh, the, the nation, as in the world's top cigar producer. Lockdown smokers around the world are proving to be a boon for the Dominican Republic cigar and tobacco industry, already the world's largest cigar producer. The Caribbean nation is on track to export a record $1 billion worth of tobacco products this year. That would represent a 6% jump over the $942 million it sold abroad in 2019, according to government figures. So everybody's doing it. It's one, it's a, a, of, of all the coping mechanisms for COVID stress, uh, certainly among the healthier ones. And uh, you can, this is, I, I wish I could say this was like a paid promotional story and we were that organized, but I can't say. This story is brought to you in part by CigarFederation.com, where you can be a part of this trend and use promo code ADAM, ADAM10, ADAM10, all caps, to get 10% off your order. Now, I think we're going to have to come back to this story uh, in order to get to our COVID block before our guests. We're going to have to come back to a couple of these bigger stories. Wall Street Journal has this headline, Inside the Google Facebook Ad Deal at the Heart of a Price-Fixing Lawsuit. You know, sometimes on the, on the show, we don't get to all the headlines we want to, but always all the links are in the notes, where, whether you're listening to this as an audio production or watching it uh, after the live show. You can get the links to everything we're covering. This is one of those stories, if you want to get into it more, if you're you know, like me, social media, you know, obviously being in, in online media production, very important to me, uh, but also the, the legal and, and dynamics of, of human development and the, the great global human family conversation is very fascinating to me. Uh, so lawmakers have called for investigation into the tech giant's contract, dubbed Jedi Blue, which allegedly allowed for auction rigging. Yeah, so definitely a, a big, complicated story. Also, as we mentioned yesterday, Lib Dems took up with 5G cranks and get a boost to wild conspiracy. Um, and this was from Drudge Report today, uh, Alexa hypnotized me. And now, like, yeah, uh, and I was reminding me, you know, I, I should be using my sleep and meditation apps more, fall asleep more efficiently. But the terms, like how we're able to manipulate our brains with words and, and put that into a, a, um, a an app which you can just conjure up a, a hypnotist, yeah, uh, we Cutting-edge stuff. That's what we're capable of now. All right, so before we get to our guests, we're going to skip ahead a couple of stories to this one from WKMI. This, this is a story we've been waiting for for a long time. But let's go ahead, Mercedes, kick off this COVID block. Oh, man, it is so fun to be saying I told you so over and over again during Corona season, the season that never seems to end, the gift that keeps on giving. And I predicted this, uh, but I also said how important it was to be ready for when these numbers come out and we can put the actual death rate of Corona in perspective. And if you say that uh, corona is a unique threat, but the death rate didn't go up at all over that time, but, you know, people were dying from corona, then they were dying from corona instead of other things, and the overall impact is not the same. Although, I, I, if I had to guess, and this is actually a little bit surprising to me, uh, these numbers, that they're uh, – I'm, I'm more right than I thought I was from the beginning, right? now. but, I, I, you know, from, from what I know, we see the 300,000 corona death toll number, 
we saw the figure from the CDC that only 6% of those deaths were actually uh, COVID exclusive, no major contributing factors in terms of cause of death. And, you know, that the actual number of deaths is somewhere, uh, you know, at, at most half of that, you know, somewhere between 6% and half. You know, we know a lot of these are overreported. We know that a lot of these are misattributed. We've seen the examples. And my favorite was, you know, the guy who was skydiving and his parachute failed to open. And then right before he hit the ground, he died of corona. So, yep, put him in that $300,000 or 300000 uh, you know, death list. Did I say dollar? Yeah, because there's so many financial incentives for this. And uh, the story of this is the racket. We're going to get into this again today, unfortunately, about how much billionaires are, are making out in this whole crisis. But if people are, are dying from corona uh, and then they're not dying from heart attacks or from flus or from you know, uh, respiratory issues, uh, other things like that, well, then corona is not causing any increase in death, doesn't represent any unique threat. And now we have the headline. And, and, I, and I, so I, this is big, you know, I've been saying, you know, when, when people come at me with, uh, you know, these fear mongering numbers, <gasps> you know, 100 people died today here of this. And like, well, how many Americans, and they're saying, oh, now it's, it's 3,000 a day are dying from Corona. No, it's, that's not just hard to believe if you're paying attention. That, that's in, like in, impossible to believe. But it's sort of like all the false flags in American history, like just 9 11, right? You can say, even if the government story about 9-11 was completely true, it did not justify invading Iraq and Afghanistan and occupying them for decades now, right? Uh, it, it doesn't justify the uh, – and, and I know the occupations of Iraq and Afghanistan are now more virtual imperialism than the direct occupation that I was a part of there in 2004. But the same thing with the, with corona. They've got you arguing over, like, how deadly it is, and it's like it doesn't matter. Whatever you're saying, it doesn't – no bio threat justifies violating individual rights viol- or justifies the, the, the ripoff that this uh, this hoax has, has, has become. Uh, and it, it – if you know that 7,500 Americans die as, as the baseline on a regular day in the United States, and you know, we got a population of 330 million, there's going to be a lot of daily turnover. Uh, I know it sounds really morbid, right? And uh, if you can look at that and, and, and step back and go, well, did the overall deaths go up or did they go down? And there's one other major conflating factor in this, uh, and that's the cure being worse than the disease. That if let's say the virus is having a net health effect of zero, uh, and that like yes, people are dying of the virus, but there are people who would have died of the flu in a normal year. All right, uh, what about all the people who are committing suicide uh, this year or have committed suicide this year as a result of the stress? From the lockdowns. We've got stories about that now coming out overwhelming. It is it is really scary uh, to be so right, to be able to predict this, to be like, oh my God, if only you had listened to the libertarians, we wouldn't be facing this economic calamity. This it, it is still unfolding evictions crisis, this ongoing forced unemployment crisis, this ongoing ripoff of what we're experiencing right now. So to this headline, WKMI.com, Johns Hopkins University researcher finds death rate before and after COVID the same. Now, there's an element of censorship with this story as well. The renowned Johns Hopkins University published an article in which they were attempting to explain a study examining the effects of the novel coronavirus on the United States' death tolls. 
They use data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. What happened next will probably not surprise most intelligent people because it is counter to what the government wants you to know. They have now deleted it from their website, but it can be found in PDF form. Johns Hopkins Assistant Program Director of the Applied Economics Master's Degree Program, Genevieve Briand, determined via CDC numbers that were that there were approximately 1.7 million deaths in the U.S. between March 2020 and September 2020. Of those deaths, she determined that approximately 12%, 200,000, were determined by doctors and government bureaucrats to be coronavirus-related. Brand hypothesizes that the only way to understand the significance of the U.S. coronavirus death rate is by comparing it to the number of total deaths in the United States. To do that, she reviewed and compared the total deaths per age category from prior to and after the COVID-19 pandemic. What did she find? She found that the death rate of older people was the same before and after the COVID-19 pandemic. As she wrote, the reason we have a higher number of reported COVID-19 deaths among older individuals than younger individuals is simply because every day in the U.S., older individuals die in higher numbers than the younger individuals. And this is, for me, and, and for, for I, I hope those of you who had the same perspective as me on this from the beginning, uh, this is maddening because we said exactly this. I mean, I said this on the show, like that. That why are they? Oh, look, it kills people who are going to die anyway. Oh, that's like mm, mm, hard time believing that this is causing people to die when the only people you can say it's killing are people who were, you know, uh, literally about to die from something else anyway. So now that they are, what's really maddening about this is like hey, we have the numbers to, to show that we were right. And they're being buried. They're being censored. So covering a story like this to me is, is, is extremely important for helping people get perspective on what is really happening here. And, and I hope the rest of the block puts in context why this hoax is happening. So there's so many things that you could get into teasing out the numbers, but when it comes down to it, again, I, I don't want to even argue this. It's not like, hey, uh, because 9-11 was not what government said it was, therefore we shouldn't invade Iraq and Afghanistan. We shouldn't invade Iraq and Afghanistan anyway. We shouldn't impose mask mandates on people. You should have the freedom on your own property and your own business and your own home to set your own policy for your own hygiene and not have that forced on you. You should be able to set your own level of risk in life. If we are arguing how bad is Corona, we're not argue, We're not holding the ethical ground that Corona and, and no other bio threat is an excuse to do unethical things to violate uh, human rights. And so, why do I cover a story like this? Because I think it's so powerful to point out the the dishonesty of the opposition of, of those who are using fear to manipulate you. And what's the point? I mean, let's get to the next story here. Uh, again, something we predicted. Lancaster Online has this headline, Scientists Scramble to Determine if Mutant Strain of Coronavirus Will Deepen Pandemic. Yeah, I told you, uh, because that's the normal course of flu-like viruses, that they, they mutate and they become less deadly but more viral over time. That's, that's, that's how flu viruses work. And that uh, what, what I said is that, yes, they're going to say, oh, there's mutations, and that's going to be an excuse to keep this going. Now, one of the things they're doing with this, I like, well, I like calling it the coronavirus as the excuse for everybody to, to do what, whatever they want, uh, whether it's for a lot of people to do a lot of shady things, I should say. 
If you're Congress, you want to add $9 trillion of liquidity on behalf of the banks to the, the market. If you want to uh, consolidate power, if you want to make billionaires richer, if you, you, know, if you want to uh, stay home from school like Eric Cartman, you know, if, if you want to uh, be a Karen and tell other people what to do. Well, now you have a perfect excuse. Theconversation.com has this headline, What Psychology Can Tell Us About Why Some People Don't Wear Masks and How to Change Their Minds. And there's, there's like, why am I even covering the story? I mean, I wish I had the time to just pick apart every ridiculous story like this, but there's a section, how to encourage mask wearing. And they don't say use logic and reason and, and appeal to people directly. They say a variety of techniques from social psychology can be used to persuade people to comply with health advice, such as mask wearing, social distancing, and self-isolating. So they say, let's use psychological manipulation. And they're not saying, like, look, to, to do something that is scientifically correct or to do the right thing. What they're doing, what, it says one key persuasion method is portraying consensus. Uh, as a fallacy, this is known as the bandwagon fallacy. Uh, remember when your mother said, well, would you jump off a bridge if everybody else was doing it? No. And what they're saying with this is uh, that because there's, there's a social consensus, there's a scientific consensus, wear a mask because everybody else is wearing a mask. Be a conformist. Like, should be easy to, to, to sort of puncture this balloon of bullshit, and, and I hate to have to let it spray all over the place for people to realize what it is. But, yeah, this, this is a kind of bullying that's happening now. And why are they doing this? They're bullying you into serving government's purpose of making the super rich richer at the expense of the rest of us. So more fear-mongering, uh, Telegraph uh, has this headline, people with blood type A, like me. I'm A positive. Moral, and by the way, I'm giving blood today. Quick reminder to everybody, especially right now, one, my, my pet cause, or one of, one of my pet causes is, is donating blood. I think there's something incredibly beautiful and powerful about giving a piece of your body to another human being to, to save their life when they're, when they're in trouble, when they're in crisis, when they're experiencing uh, you know, a, a medical issue where they need a blood transfusion. So I, I do the double power red with Vitalent, uh, Vitalent.org, totally recommend them. And, and whatever it is in your area right now especially, it's important to give blood because there are less people doing it. And they're, it's not like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's silver lining. People being isolated, less likely to have accidents. But unfortunately, a lot of people who give blood are afraid to go in and give blood because of corona. And uh, so this afternoon, um, I'll be doing that. And I guess we'll have a little personal medical update tomorrow as we do our corona test. And then, uh, and then I, today I'll tell you about uh, how giving blood went this afternoon. Also, LifeSiteNews.com puncturing the uh, some of the myths of Corona because one of the myths of Corona is uh, be very afraid of each other. You know, and there's this uh, people are easier to manipulate when they're disconnected. Uh, when people don't have healthy communities, families, uh, you know, connectedness with other human beings. All sorts of negative mental health things occur, and they become more manipulable. So they have to have this uh, idea that you should be afraid of everybody, even if they don't show symptoms. Right? That's one of the that's a critical part of the Corona myth. But this headline says this asymptomatic transmission of COVID nineteen didn't occur at all. Study of ten million finds only three hundred asymptomatic cases in the study. Nearly ten million were discovered, and none of those tested positive for COVID nineteen. So I, there's a lot more to this, and it's not as simple as I'm going to sum it up here. But basically, um, asymptomatic communication of corona isn't really a thing. Uh, and it's not that it's 100%. Um, I, you know, and, and with a lot of this part of the – oh, no, well, there's this exception you got to be afraid of. 
Um, but yeah, basically, if you don't have symptoms, you don't transmit the virus because you're not. If, if you don't have symptoms, like uh, if you're not coughing, uh, uh, you can't cough droplets on other people, right? No shit. Uh, if you're not, if, if you don't, so if the virus isn't bad enough in you, and this is kind of the same with the flu too. Now, lots of people get the flu every year in an asymptomatic way, and it, it you know, it becomes part of them, and they brush it off, and they they have a strong immune system, and they they apparently, uh, you know, well, obviously, if you're not sneezing, coughing, wheezing, uh, dripping virus-laden snot all over people, you're less likely to transmit the virus. No shit. And uh, guess what? The same is true with COVID. Uh, fun headline next from PrincipiaScientific.com. Uh, Irish government admits COVID-19 does not exist. Yeah. Um, so this is really interesting. Ireland has come clean and admitted that it has no scientific proof that the SARS-CoV-2 virus exists, which other nations are going to be next and admit this pandemic was a scam. Now, I'm not taking that extreme position, uh, although it's it's possible, and given what government is capable of for lying, uh, and, and we're going to talk about this more and more as, as the vaccines come out, and we have, we have a whole block of vaccine stories to cover here later today where you see the, the history of, of vaccines. It's just, it is absolutely horrific. So uh, the UN has, the U, news.un.org has the next headline, Culture in Crisis, Arts Fighting to Survive COVID-19 Impact. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in, just to get to back to the, the cure being worse than the disease, our next story from pbs.org, what's behind the historic spike in drug overdose deaths under COVID-19? And I, this is one of the grim I told you so's, but, uh, you know, we, we kind of have to cover it when it, it is important to point out that there are other consequences to falling for this racket as well. Now, fun headline from CBS Local, just to scare you about one more thing. Why picking your nose isn't just gross, it's dangerous in a time of coronavirus. Uh, yeah, so I am here making a YouTube video that is very dangerous because it is challenging the health guidance of local health authorities and the World Health Organization because I am picking my nose. It is dangerous. Welcome to the Civil Disobedience Live on Adam versus the Man. I'm just going to keep my finger here for the rest of the segment. Uh, CNN.com. Uh, we teach kids not to do it. It's unsanitary. It's just plain gross to see. Let's be real, though. Most of us pick our noses. Some 91%, according to the study, according to the only small and old study that seems to have ever been done on the subject, perhaps revealing how little scientists, uh, even scientists, want to think about it. Looking around the world, however, it's not exactly uncommon to see someone with a finger up their nose either discreetly or not so much, like Queen Elizabeth. Yes, there. The jokes aside, nose picking is deadly serious. Not only, yeah, and, and you know, I, I oh, sorry, uh, yeah, I told you I keep it in there for the whole segment, right? I, I, <laughs> I'm I, this to me, this is a silver lining with Corona because I, I don't, I, I'm a bit of a germaphobe. Like, um, I, I, I like that people are a little more germ conscious. That people are less likely to pick their nose and wipe their boogers on me or shake hands with me as they might have been pre-Corona. So there's a heightened uh, germ awareness. Uh, you know, I'm okay with that. But now it's like, ah, be afraid of nose pickers. Really? Uh, but I, to end our our block today, uh, just to, before we get to our guest, I have to end this corona block on a positive note from Bongino.com. That's right, the Dan Bongino Show, that great statist 
fascist Trump supporter Dan Bongino. New York gym owner gets huge court win over Cuomo's COVID-19 restriction. And this is great. And I've been going to the gym here, even in California. And uh, the, the meathead revolt that I predicted from the beginning, it's on and going strong. Western New York gym owner Robbie De Niro won a court victory over the state of New York that will allow him to open his gym at full capacity. State Supreme Court Judge Paul B. Washczak allowed the gym to open at full capacity. The judge said there was a right to normalcy and throughout the state's 25% capacity limit. Owner Robbie De Niro is naturally thrilled with the outcome. We've been following the story, so, you know, cheers to Robbie for being victorious in his civil disobedience and really uh, taking some leadership here as a gym owner in this meathead revolt. And I think a story like this is very important to cover when it is uh, – it's not easy intellectually even to stand your ground in the face of so much groupthink and peer pressure and bullying and – portraying consensus that the advocates of corona hysteria are are pushing. So congratulations, and to everybody, please have the same confidence in your worldview, knowledge. Don't let them gaslight you. Don't let them challenge your understanding of reality. Don't let them put forth a mythology that is designed to manipulate you in the name of this virus, which is now fully contained on Adam versus the Man. All right, thank you so much, Mercedes. Uh, Since uh, we're going to have to come back to comments after our guests, since we are behind schedule for today. So let's go ahead and get our guest up on screen here. Ladies and gentlemen, Daryl Cotton of 151farmers.org joins us today. And uh, thank you to Michael Plumoff for helping set up this interview. Uh, Daryl Cotton has uh, an incredible backstory, but uh, has a a passion for uh, cannabis and innovation and uh, aquaponics powered cannabis grows and I, I i this is for those of you who don't know and, and daryl you know my outside of politics and activism my one hobby is homesteading and alternative construction my one hobby is this and this and this and this now homesteading alternative construction you know alternative lifestyles self-reliance all the things around that you know uh agriculture for you know the homesteading personal scale and your story, it's like it gets all my juices flowing with all these different you – got, you got cannabis. Uh, so, you know, congratulations to those of us winning the drug war in 2020. Uh, you've got aquaponics, which I do – I am going to challenge you on in some way tonight. I'm all about is it the efficiency and is this in the practicality. Is this, but what you have done and accomplished, regardless of, of, of my, you know, picky and personal analysis, is incredible. And no surprise to anyone who's paying attention – that if you're going to be uh, the cannabis aquaponics guy, you're going to you're going to at some point you're going to run into some government. So Daryl, thank you so much for your work for joining us on the show today. Welcome to Anna versus the Man. I, I don't know where to start with this, but uh, you know, feel free to. Uh, I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about you know your personal background, at least what led you to be uh, the cannabis aquaponics guy. I believe you're muted, Daryl. If you could uh, 
Is that on your end or, or producer? No. All right, now we got you. All right, pretend that never happened. Hey, good, very much. Good morning, and thank you for having me on. You're actually the first uh, large-scale podcast I've done, so forgive me if I'm a little nervous. But uh, to your point, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, your team, uh, very professional, and uh, your show and your message is one that just has to ring loud and clear. More people need to understand what it is this represents. Mainstream media has failed us. So my background, uh, coming from the Midwest, I would spend my summers in southern Illinois farming. And there we would plant corn, traditional crops, and uh, being that in the 70s and 80s, we were all smoking cannabis then. Uh, Richard Nixon at the time was the president, and through the Controlled Substance Act, he tried to vilify that and create a situation where cannabis had no medical value. Um, just to well, say- Darryl, I'm sorry, Daryl, if I may ask, just, just to place this in time, because it seems like... I mean, as young as you appear, you, 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 you sound like you're a generation older than me. When, when were you born? What's your timing that places you? I'm, I'm 60 years old. Uh, what, what I'm currently going through with 151 Farms is an ideology, and it relies on uh, almost coming together. Uh, as Tip O'Neill said, all politics is local. So I built upon that from Chicago. I would go to school in the inner city, and I would see the beginning of uh, – uh, what was the uh, projects, the housing projects. And it really meant that homes were being broken up, families were being destroyed, the economic uh, engines that were in these communities were disappearing. And I never lost sight of that. I, I also had the opportunity of spending my summers in southern Illinois. As I was saying, we were growing corn, but having planted cannabis seeds between this corn, uh, we would have these amazingly fast uh, and by, based on today's standard, uh, they weren't proficient grows, but they showed me that this was a plant that could be grown practically anywhere and it would keep up. You know, frankly, it's a weed. But what really concerned me as I got into my mid-20s, early 30s, is I started having nocturnal seizures. And while I was taking prescription drugs at the time, they weren't doing me any good. They damaged the liver. So I started mm -hmm. understanding that, that there were... Well, there were strains that were actually working. Contrary to what Rickard Nixon, Nixon, president at the time, uh, was developing. Did. I know it's, it's tricky. Yeah. With the Schaefer Commission, there was no medicinal value. But later on, you had the Department of Health and Human Services patent cannabinoids for their antioxidant and neuroprotecting values. So I didn't believe my government. I wasn't believing what I saw Richard Daley do in, uh, what is it, 1968 at the Democratic Convention, the trial of seven. All of these things were bouncing around my brain. When I got bored, I mean, I was running a fairly successful business, and I was thinking, what do we leave the next generation, if not a legacy, built on what we've learned from our history? And for that, I developed 151 Farms as a pound of cannabis for five pounds of food for one community. And it's a scalable system. It's something that we can take anywhere. And it's, I thought it, it was a Bacardi reference. I said, we're not just a rum anymore, right? <laughs> But there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of things that um, developed and evolved over time. So we become these compounds where we welcome homeless and people of varying um, specialties and interests to come in and share the one thing that we have as an established criteria to participate in this is if you eat, you're in. So regardless of your gender, your so status, your social economic presence, the reality is the fish do the work. So the Egyptians gave us this you know, 6,000 years ago, where it was the fish water and it's the urine in the water that actually provides maybe 75 to 90 percent of the plant's nutrients. Minerals and, then, and ammonia. Exactly. Ammonia to nitrite to nitrate. So that convergence based the chemistry. I always tell kids, you know, 
are coming through here and they see we'll grow non-psychoactive hemp, hops, uh, avocados, just a wide variety of traditional crops, microgreens and everything, and say, you know, there's a career in this. You know, stay in school, learn chemistry, but also understand that, you know, our civil rights and our history relies on us building upon the backs of those that gave us the freedoms that we have today. And if we don't challenge Stand on the shoulders of giants to honor them. If you stand at their feet and ignore the innovations of prior generations, you are dishonoring them. Precisely. And with with, uh, our military and, you know, your personal background and experience, you can speak to, you know, what we're doing in other countries. And a lot of times it's protecting trade of illicit drugs. So, now that we're having this new conversation and cannabis is becoming more mainstream recognized, I think it's important that we elbow a seat at the table. And for that, 151 Farms requires no land-based hookups. I mean, you can have them, power and water and all that, but I rely on solar and rainwater. And I can run these in the deserts. I can take this to places where historically it wouldn't have been profitable to grow. But by doing so, you can take homeless people, for example. We have several here that Find a reason to participate every day, get up, and be a contributing member of society. And where does that food go? It goes to Beverly Hills, La Jolla. It doesn't matter. It's it's that we can do these in our own regions, in our own communities. And as you said, alluded to, where I'm being pushed back, I'm facing some pushback, it's because, and it's been the far left, they're not interested in discussing what we can do to create repair and solve these problems. They want more money. The money doesn't make it to the people. If you go to South Central, it's it's uh, it's absolutely well. Well, Daryl, I, I want I want to come back to that uh, because you, you great opening covered a lot of ground there. But no, we're definitely going to come back to this. And it's it's you're like wait in California, yeah, in California. It's not like the the and and for those of you you know and who remember, I've covered the story of. Uh, friends of mine in the past who were growing legally in California and then were raided by feds. Yes. But in Daryl's case, it's a, it's, a, it's a little more complicated and, and even more local than that with zoning. But before we get into that, uh, Daryl, first, the, so you, you had this personal health motivation with cannabis. Um, given where we are right now with the, the, the war on drugs, I like to describe it as the the end of the beginning of the end of the war on drugs or the beginning of the middle of the end of the war on drugs. But we are, we, we crossed a, a pretty significant turning point, uh, even with just incremental legal progress in 2020 with so much recreational and medical uh, legalization decrim in, in Oregon and, uh, and, and various localities in D.C. with psilocybin and psychedelics and other drugs. How do you see, you know, where America is right now and what you're doing, how does that fit into it? Again, I think we have to go back to local levels and see that uh, for generations now, people have been growing cannabis and they're very skilled at doing so and have created strains. Uh, Dennis Perone was a personal friend of mine. So back in 96, when he first got Proposition 215 passed, it was identified as a medical uh, component. And that was in the AIDS crisis. He was fighting in the Vietnam War and so on. So, Activism then is different than activism now. What we see now are chaz zones and fires and looting and stolen TVs and so on. My particular case is one where every single day from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock, I do a circle pattern between the state and federal courts here in San Diego, and I want to expose the judges. The judiciary is complicit in the problems that we're facing. So where does the judiciary get its responsibility from those laws? 
And speaking of California, in 2016, we passed Proposition 64. So the people that thought they were getting progressive cannabis law, as it turns out, it's been anything but. And the unholy alliance between... By that, you mean it's a sort of corporate oligarchy through licensing and high tax? Most definitely. Yeah, okay. Just just to be clear, we're all the same thing. My situation. So I'm 60 years old. I'm a traditional business owner, had construction and uh, a manufacturing company, power generation and these types of things. And I really, at some point, probably around 45, 50, you get looking at what you've done as your life's work and you're not too inspired by it. And, and now that I've gotten into law, I, I used to Daryl, i got to stop right there. That, what, what you just said is so beautiful. It deserves to really be underscored. I really like pointing things out like that to my audience. That you know, you, can, you, can you say that again? You, you, you look back at your life at age 50 and said, well, you have to. You have to look at why did I go to college? Why did I decide at an early age to devote my life to this? And then you see society crumbling. You see the next generation's opportunity less than yours. And it's like, what can I do to fix this? So my background that, is that this, that this I, want, I want to underscore one thing in particular about what you said for my audience, because I really do value. I know my audience values these kinds of things that, that challenge you to reconsider your own life and lifestyle. And I, I, I'm always looking for ways to encourage people to live more passionately, more vibrantly, more positively, more engaged. And, and if, if, if you can learn from this guy at age 60 who had this enlightenment moment at age 50, you can, you can choose to you know, use that as a way to motivate and guide yourself, take that as inspiration to at a younger age set a course for your life that you know is going to be meaningful and satisfying. And it's not just about, hey, this is living better. This is also kind of a libertarian thing. This is a kind of a rebel against authority thing because the manipulations of authority, and this is beyond ideology, but something that we as libertarians are keen to, which is that the manipulations by authority in order to make you exploitable yeah. require you to live a kind of dumbed-down, cog-in-the-machine lifestyle, to be unambitious, to indulge in you know drugs, and I should say to indulge in irresponsible, reckless drug use, to indulge in, you know, television and distractions and, you know, meaningless, unsatisfying things. And what you did and what you described is such a, a critical element of the human experience to be able to overthrow the expectations of others and authorities and social manipulation say, no, fuck that. I'm going to live a meaningful life by my standards. You you hit it on the head. And, and, and where I was nuancing it, you drove it home. So by having um, these compounds and, and doing this, and we do this in the most uh, l- less than ideal situations, I'm talking South Central, places where, you know, you would never expect to see anything growing, but by giving people an opportunity to reinvent themselves and purpose themselves, uh, we also go back to educating our children to the point that not, not all food comes from a drive through or in a package. When we get to that, we look at how does it work when these urban farms have historically not been profitable? And the difference, Adam, is cannabis. Because if you don't let the oligarchy take all the limited licensing, which is a whole other topic, what we need to do is manage those many generations that have contributed to getting cannabis mainstreamed and say, what is cannabis really? Well, ideally, it's medical. But if you're going to make an argument that there's a recreational component for it, it should be second tier or behind the importance of medical cannabis, period. Now, to grow that organically will be the opportunity to make these urban farms profit. And that has been the premise, in short, to what 151 Farms and my life 
dedication has now been devoted to. Now, as long as we're getting into the mechanics and sort of efficiency and application of these technologies where, where I'm going to really geek out, uh, and I, I don't worry for my audience, I won't get too far into this, but I, I, I part, of, part of my bias against aquaponics comes from uh, a friend of mine who was heavy into it and decided that it was less efficient than other systems. And I have, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Earthships and the sort of uh, quasi-hydroponic built-in planter systems with the gray water recycling. I, I'm a huge fan of, of anything that empowers people to create what they need to live independently off-grid. But the community farms idea, this is, this is a... a to me, even more important than the technology itself, the implementation. And I, I'm 100% with you that if you're going to have within a, a urban community, uh, a community garden, that uh, it, you should incorporate everything that's, that's efficient and effective with that, that you should be growing cannabis. Um, but, you know, I looked at it for, for myself now that Arizona is a, a recreational state, and it, it seems like when there's so many uh, very effective, organic, what we might call mid-scale, because compared to, like, tobacco, nicotine, they're not large-scale, but they're mid-scale cannabis producers that are able to create, like, super-engineered, you know, buds that come in nice little containers, you know, like with pop-tops like this, and they're just, like, overflowing with crystals. Uh, where is the efficiency in that, and, and why... Uh, do these elements work together? All the, the idea of community gardens and cannabis and, and aquaponics. A great question. And to your point, you know, anybody can turbocharge a plant. You can create an environment where you're pumping nutrients into it, pesticides, fungicides, aerocides. Uh, you're increasing CO2 levels and banging it with more photons than the plant would ever see in a normal cycle of sunlight. So all of those things, and that is my background. As an engineer, I started Indigrow, which is a Tesla coil lighting company, and that got me into the energy savings. Uh, then I started working with Pentair, a big $9 billion a year aquaponics company, as I private labeled my lights for them. And that got me talking to their advanced degree people on the water savings aspects of what you're talking about. So as far as efficiencies, if you're rating that in something like a grams per square foot or how many grams per watt and so on, you really have to bring all that back to uh, social equity and the politics of what allows us to grow cannabis, whether you call it recreational or medical, doesn't matter. What I say, give us the opportunities to develop these farms and bring us back to agrocentric skill sets that take care of a lot of society's failures, one of them being homeless, but two, keeping that money in our communities, and three, using the sunlight. <laughs> you know, the best <laughs> in the world is sunlight. So when I started this, I looked at aquaponics and, and hydroponics, and you're right, hydroponics is great. If I can manage chemical input, I can create all the environments from plant uptake. However, that's not what happens in nature. When we say chemical input in, an, in, an, uh, in a hydroponic conversation, that doesn't necessarily mean inorganic. It can be all organic still. So I don't know if you know this, Daryl, but I have a little bit of cannabis growing experience going back to New Mexico. Uh, when we were, my father and I were trying to get in on one of the uh, the early uh, medical licenses to grow there, and we they, they killed the second round of approval, so we lost it. But um, we, as growers, I just want the audience to know a little sort of technical background on, on growing cannabis. That w whether it's hydroponics or aquaponics, if you have a liquid solution, 
yes. going over the roots of your plants, you are constantly monitor, monitoring the chemistry, the chemicals right. of it. You are adding, whether it's fish poop or urine or chicken shit or yes. organic chemicals in a bottle or artificial chemicals in a bottle, and you're adjusting the pH as well, and there are a lot of sensitivities in all this. So, But I want to turn quickly, Daryl, to the, the sort of challenges on the efficiency given that with aquaponics where uh, there's, a, there's a delicateness. Oh, yes. Uh, and, 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 and you hear, so, if, if you don't have the time, and this is one of the things, like, I don't want, like, for me as a homesteader, I don't want a garden that if I, you know, party on Saturday and I, I, I want to, I need to sleep in and, and Sunday if I decide to say, fuck it, I can't pay attention today to anything, or I got to travel for a weekend, like, everything's going to die. And if, if you don't have, like, there's, there's a, with, with a, hydroponic system there's a delicate nature of your formula yep. uh, if, the, if the ph goes up or some chemical concentration is too high or too low you can hurt the plants and with uh, an aquaponic setup now you're trying to mesh two systems with that same sensitivity and the fish are even more sensitive i, I have so many stories of friends going ah well i killed half my fish because yeah. This I forgot to turn this on, and, and then I just kind of gave up. And there are a lot of people who get into aquaponics that way and have bad experience. Well, allow me to address that on a number of levels. One, in a hydroponic system, depending on the state that the plant is in, you're going to have varying uh, de- uh, chemical designs for NPK, for example. Whereas in an aquaponic system in the vegetative state, even though it does run a little higher pH, you're really gauging things organically. You're, you're making sure your fish are fed, they're happy, they're mating, uh, they're active. And if they're doing that and your balance, 151 also stands for a pound of fish to five gallons of water to one square foot of media. So there's a, yeah. there's, a, there's another reason we look at that ratio, and it's not ideal, but it's one that you can target. Like, for example, my non-flowering plants uh, generally are fine with the NPK that we get just in normal fish water. But here's the thing, Adam, that you haven't considered yet. Where in nature are our greatest plants benefiting? And it's up against riverbeds. When you see a constant flow of water over rock, you have demineralization and you have a very healthy organic system off of the sides of that riverbed. What I have done is I've created a system of aquaponics where it's a constant flow of water over black lava rock. Your beneficial bacteria lives in the black lava rock and only when the sun's up and literally it's scalable to you know, hundreds of thousands of gallons of water. All you need is one pump to push the farthest IBC tote, and each tote that fills drains to the next one and the next one and the next one and ends up getting back to the fish. IBC tote for the for the audience is just a water tank. It's a water tank, yeah. It's, it'll have uh, 275, gallons, use, 275 gallons. We cut the top off. We fill it with black lava rock. We, we introduce the water at the bottom of the tank. It has to flow through all the rock, leave a top, fill pipe, which establishes the height, and then since water always seeks level, all you have to do is keep every successive tank at that level. And, brother, it's amazing. I'm growing avocados normally 20 <laughs> gallons per day for a quart. So I keep the water line below the black lava rock. We're talking science. We might lose some of your your uh, viewers. But listen, I, I put all the links on, on your chat. So, so yeah, Daryl. Yeah. It's not something that they have to consider as overly complicated. They have to want to do it, and it's something you will have to stay involved with. You can only do so much with uh, the uh, uh, what, do you, what do you call it when you're well. Basically, what I'm doing is I have to be there every day, so I cannot do so much. Uh, of, of the way of setting this up to where it can be done uh, 
through a coding and program. What you just said is a, a perfect way to, to transition here because uh, what in a community garden, there are all sorts of different dynamics, and it, depending on the community, you might have uh, an excess of labor and attention that can be used to maintain a system that requires uh, more babying, more constant attention. As long as you and, have somebody in charge that understands the chemistry of what's going on, the other people can fill in and you give them duties and they're happy to do it. Right. Now, the other thing is this, this sort of stopping, because I could, I could get into the science with you for hours. We're not going to subject the audience to that. So there's a perfect, perfect stopping point I think you came to there. But I do want to make one point regarding that which is for, for our audience who's considering, any audience members who are considering getting involved in something like this, whether it's community gardening or aquaponics or hydroponics or growing right. cannabis or any other kind of produce or any other kind of homesteading technology, one of the things that I love about it is that there's a certain, you, you can jump right to the cutting edge of innovation. Yes. Um, and it's you don't have to be Elon Musk and have billions of dollars in a lot. Now, you don't get to do the same fun things he is, but in terms of developing applications of existing technology for m practical situations, there's there's a whole huge process of human progress that uh, Daryl is a big part of. I'm a much smaller part of. Uh, but you know, being able to, to 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 get your hands dirty and try different things. And one of the things that came up earlier in our conversation for me was the combination of resources available and how that distorts cannabis. Like even being able to get this is based in a lot of places on government subsidization of electricity, subsidization of electricity, which is normally a huge cost in the grow. And as you say, you're incorporating other costs into doing this in a conscientious way, where it's not just, is this the cheapest way to produce the most food, but looking at it, correct me if I'm wrong, from a, is this the most efficient way for society to result, you know, to, to, well, to, and, and it, it has to be economically sustainable too. So historically, these farms were always looking for uh, donations. But uh, the point I was just trying to make earlier is that you can only automate these systems so far. So it's really important that we find ways to incorporate those that need our help, a hand up, not a hand out. And if uh, you look at a lot of the people that donate uh, to our farms to help offset our costs, would be the panels. And the panels that we have uh, are memorials to those that have passed on and people will donate to that panel and their image and the loved one. But it's also companies that want to show urban farming and social equity and want to put their money where their mouth is for as little as $20 a month. They'll put their logo on our tub and our tubs are, we got probably got 30 of them are five by five, 25 squares per tub. And each one of those is a sign from somebody in a business that wants to support urban farming. So we're not looking for money anymore. What we're looking for is getting our government out of our way and giving us ways to incentivize and empower what it is we're trying to bring to the table. Very well said. So finally, you know, we, we, we have to get into the legal issues that you faced. And, and my understanding, this is like what, what, what's surprising about this is that what we're talking about San Diego, California. Yeah, like in the United States. And, yeah. and and you made the point earlier that what we got with California with Prop sixty four was not uh, what progressives thought of as progressive, or even as libertarians, what we would think of as 
actual meaningful progress. Uh, it, it's sort of, yes, you've created a legal area for cannabis, but you're extremely regressive towards socialism and government control and kickbacks and just uh, all of the ripoffs in this uh, sort of corporate oligopoly that's developed in, in California. I hope that's not exaggerating. Things. No, you're not. Not at all. Uh, if you look back to when we got Prop 64 in 2016, that's a byproduct of lobbyists who were working with then-Governor Jerry Brown. Our lieutenant governor at the time was Gavin Newsom, and then our attorney general was Kamala Harris. So I, I set up a website. It's called No More on 64, and that's K-N-O-W, More on 64. And I created something called the Attorney's um, Corner. So I'm an activist that believes in looking at the original uh, law and regulation as it was brought to the voters and seeing what it is they passed. And on one hand, if you look at the uh, whoopies and snoops and everybody, they were talking about cannabis in progressive terms, but they were describing the medical benefits that it provided. And when you look at 64 or what we currently see developing nationally as the Moore Act, dig down into that 5,500 pages of COVID or whatever it is, and you will find the devil is in the details. And now, four years later, those people that are finding that their rights through uh, asset forfeiture and not having the licensing create a black market condition where they're being robbed and raided by the police and the federal government sitting on the sideline and saying, well, that's a legal state. Bullshit. It's still federally illegal. And as it goes to medical, the federal opportunities allow it to exist under the United Nations Single Convention on Narcotics. As long as it's scientific and medical, cannabis is federally legal and has been for 25, 30 years. And I, that's my argument in my case. So to argue where I am today, it's a basic civil lawsuit where I have a commercial property that had um, the distance requirements for land use regulations where the local government said, we're going to anoint certain people that have played by the rules and have a property that would comply. You can go ahead and get one of these limited cannabis licenses. Well, by limiting the licenses, there's an argument to be made for or against, but what it does is it increases their value exponentially. And when no, there's not. Hold on. Darryl, yeah. I, gotta, no, I, will, I will interject editorially here to say, no, there is no excuse for taking something that you have a right to do as a human being and charge you for it as a privilege. I agree. And then use violence of government against you for enforcement if you violate this legal framework that is fundamentally fraudulent and unethical. I do not disagree, but they do regulate how many liquor stores you can have and bars and restaurants and all that. So constitutionally, uh, the laws as they've been established to land use regulations are are pretty absolute. But what we can, found can out... At least, yeah, right. There, there are two points here. And I, to, I think to translate what you're saying to, to maybe some of the way my audience might be used to hearing it. Hey, there's this expectation that government's going to fuck up every every industry a certain amount. Let's hope that they only fuck up cannabis the same, oh, no, they're fucking it up at a whole other level. Well, just to go ahead and cut to the root of that whole argument, I don't disagree. What I'm saying is that when the Prop 64 passed, it said to be mandatory compliant, you had to get one of these limited licenses, which meant 95% of the people that are participating in black market couldn't get it. And they used land use regulations. They used environmental laws. They used uh, so many things to limit that. So when I built 151, as long as I'm doing rainwater and solar, I avoid all your environmental. 
because the worst case scenario in my situation, as opposed to hydroponic, if there's a catastrophic failure and I have a massive loss of water, it's fish water. So I'm not harming downstream aquifers with that. Darrell, I I hate that that's one of your incentives. It is. One of your incentives that, that one of the incentives that people don't recognize as such a, even you, you, I hope with an interview like this, that even if you have no relevant background knowledge, that you can see how government intervention has to affect the incentives that someone like Daryl as a grower faces, where instead of him saying, these are the available resources, this is what I want to produce, what's the most efficient, ethical way to get from point A to point B, there's, well, that might mean doing something else to get around some government regulation. Which in my case works. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and in innovation, it's great. Yeah. And, and a, you know, mother being the, or necessity being the mother of invention, we need a way to get around. We need a way to do this more efficiently when government is making it inefficient. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. But I, what I want, uh, Daryl, if you can, if you can connect for the average American, uh, cause I, I would want to rant again for hours about how this is true for every other industry, whether it's cars or gas or food or cannabis or clothes or... Yeah, know, we, we can't outsource this. There, there, well, there's so many ways that uh, government creates corporate oligopolies yep. and, and warps incentives for entrepreneurs. And, and aside from the innovation point, uh, I, one other point I really got to go back to is that, and, and what I love about what you're doing and, and as an example for others, is that that's activism. The, the most meaningful, positive, productive activism in today's day and age isn't even political. It isn't in media. It isn't in civil disobedience. It's in entrepreneurship. It's in creating new mechanisms of creating value, working around government and, and, and using innovation to do it. And so I, I really I really want to put uh, what you're doing, uh, on, on not you personally, but, you know, what you're doing on a pedestal that way and, and, and recognize it and celebrate it. And to go to the negative for a second, can you can you explain how the consumer is is negatively impacted by the government intervention in the cannabis industry, at least in California, uh, from your personal experience, if not in, in any bigger picture sense? Please. Well, because I think most of your uh, people today that consume cannabis, a large majority of them are influenced by uh, a brand, for example, is this uh, a certain rapper's brand or uh, a boxer or somebody else's? Uh, one, one of the things that medical patients look at is the actual cannabinoid profile. So if it's an indica or sativa, is it high in CBN, CBD, THC? And as many researchers have done from Dr. Mushoam forward, have found that it's this entourage effect, a wide variety of cannabinoids that much like aspirin can repair us, but we're not always sure why. So when you strike to isolate these cannabinoids and you say, well, we're going to isolate and you can't patent a plant, but if we're going to isolate it and create a synthetic, then we want to bring a value back to our stockholders. As a medical cannabis patient, I'm going to run from that because after developing strains for many years that are aquaculture specific, I mean, they can run on a higher pH. And I'm a dual root zone, too. So in flower, my top root zone, I can add trace minerals that aren't there in the fish water. So that, yeah, there's, there's a whole other there's a whole genetic manipulation in this yeah. where we can I, I just we didn't yeah. get into this at all, but I have to underscore another just cool element of Daryl's story yeah. is having 
I mean, you you, call, you could call it breeding or whatever, but it's a manipulation of plant genetics to create new strains that have totally new functions exactly. and make uh, totally new things possible. And in this case, it's, it's as simple as strain selection for something that works well for an aquaponics. Now, the pharmaceuticals aren't happy about that. Big Ag isn't happy about that. But, again, if we're going to reacquire our uh, democracy, our country – then I think we should do it on a garden-by-garden basis. And I don't want your money. I mean, that we self-fund. I just want to be left alone. I want to be able to build this and invite people in. We're fully open for tours. We try to express to people how important this is. This has been a gift to the city of San Diego. And how have they returned that gift? I'm suing them. So I'm in my fourth year, <laughs> okay, on a, on a basic sham lawsuit where um, it was a gentleman that tried to steal my property because he had the connections to get the license. And I'm like, I really don't want to have anything to do with retail. I don't accept it and its premise. I think it's hard on the consumer. The consumers are uninformed. Tell you what, we'll do a joint venture. You can buy the property. Assuming we get the license, I'll just take 10% of my net profits off the business. He was good with that, but he never I reduced it. it. He never I reduced it to writing. So when you don't reduce something to writing and you're a business pant, you're actually an enrolled agent, and a realtor, you won't reduce those terms to writing. You say, enough, get out of here. You're a scam, which I did. What does he do? He sues me. So I have a basic contract. I'm talking law school 101 that this judge should have thrown out at him. He didn't. So this judge, he's complicit. I have got a recall petition up on him and everything else. By the way, all these links are there, judges protecting judges. Yep. Guys, anybody in the audience, I am on my 12th judge that has had their hands on this case, and not one of them has ruled on whether or not this relies on contract, basic 101 contract law. Is this a fully integrated and legal contract? And every attorney that's looked at it says no, but what they won't do is put their names on the case. Why? I'm going after judges and attorneys. So I've got in my federal lawsuit right now, seven federal judges have recused themselves. I have to represent myself as a pro se litigant. I'm in pauperous. I'm broke. So I'm asking the court to handle some of my ex parte decisions. They're not doing it. So one judge, and I'm talking the Ninth Circuit, the Chief Justice, um, Thomas, will protect other judges. And I call the whole story can agreed. It's on my 151 page. And why is it? Because they lose their moral compass when it comes to cannabis, because for years they've been making bank on putting people in jail, stealing their properties, and now deciding who gets to sit at the table and who doesn't. I am their worst enemy because I got nothing to lose. Yeah. Well, oh, Daryl, I'm, I'm, you know, more power to you. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've fought enough similar legal battles and heard enough similar stories. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying the process because you never know what the outcome is going to be. Nope. Uh, but there's there's something else I, I want to point out about your story to celebrate here, which is maybe maybe more related. It, it, you know, I am inspired by your lawsuit to to consider this, but that uh, it, it relates back to the idea of community gardens and uh, alternative means of humans coming together to meet each other's needs without feeding the beast, without uh, government interference, with, with uh, peaceful sidestepping, not, not necessarily civil disobedience even, but right. working around the system. And one of the most beautiful things that I've seen with uh, community garden and, uh, you know, this, that kind of food co-op community type organization 
is that, uh, or, or like, uh, we sometimes, sometimes I think in California to avoid the dairy laws, yeah. right? For raw milk. Yep. There are people who do, you don't, you don't buy milk for me. You, you buy a piece of my cow and then you're entitled to, and you provide me money to, for the, uh, uh, food and care of this cow of yours that you have a share in so that you get a portion of the milk and you get and a basket of produce. produce. It, down to. it yeah. always comes down to tax and regulation. Some and there's ways around it. They're, peaceful, they're beautiful, peaceful yeah. ways of innovating in entrepreneurship and creating organizations and sidestepping that. And I think, you know, all together what, what you were doing is, is uh, you know, a great example of someone who has, who has dedicated their life to that kind of greater consciousness and, and awareness. So we're going to fix these things, Adam. And it's programs like yours and the things that I'm doing in real yes. terms that they cannot ignore. We are the solution to problems that they have not been able to fix. Yes. So, Daryl, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like this is we, we've there's so much more that you and I could like could geek out on for hours. I hope you can come visit us in Gardenia. I'm like, how do I? How do I trick Daryl into setting something up at my place? <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, you know, I'm I'm not that far from you in in uh, northern Arizona, and and I hope you can come can come out and visit us. I'd be delighted. Uh, is is there anything else you think we need to cover right now to to to, to make this uh, interview feel complete? I just feel we're in tumultuous times, and people can't get mainstream media and accept that as hard fact. So learning uh, what's out there that works for you, that you can develop within your community, should be uh, one of your fundamental priorities in life right now, regardless of who's in office. But uh, know that you have responsibilities for your community that you can manage, that you can pilot, that Washington, D.C., and in my case, Sacramento, all the answers don't come from there. Let's do it at local levels. Yeah, very well said. And we've got our producer putting up some of your links here. Uh, I don't know if you want to promote these specifically. Can you see what's on screen there? Uh, yeah, that's my protest sign. So my Facebook link's on there to 151 Farmers. I call it Judges Protecting Judges. So on the left, that's the federal judge. Can you go back? Yeah. So that's Judge Bashant. She's like the fifth federal judge that's seen my case and then kicked that can down the road. This judge was literally taking my signature pages out of my motion and attributing language in her decisions that weren't even in my ex parte motion. So I reported her to the senior judge or the chief judge uh, Thomas in the middle and uh, he just blew it back and said oh that's normal judges will do that and then on the far right that's the superior court judge so on the left and right both of those judges are in my federal complaint as named defendants for their actions well it's, I'm, I'm grateful for everything you're doing Daryl keep up the great work and I, I encourage everybody to check out the links wherever you're watching or hearing this interview they will be attached Thank you very much. I look forward to it. Keep up the great work and uh, count me as an ally anytime you need me. Excellent. Thank you so much, Daryl. All right, everybody. I hope that – man, that was fun. Let's check in with Mercedes. I think we, see, we got uh, we got about 20 minutes left in the show. I think we can do some comments. I think we got time to do our vaccine block. Are you are you ready for that after I mean, that? We, like we, two, two corona blocks in one show? I uh, – I'm down to clown. Let me find my links, though. Uh-oh. It's like it's uncontainable. I'm just, I feel like. <laughs> like you can get it multiple times. I feel like I, I got thrown in on a Sunday during a rush producing the show and doing comments and everything. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm a little discombobulated right now. Yeah, let's go back into the COVID, shall we? Well, let's, let's comments first. We, oh. I, I know you did you, you, you did a great job getting 
uh, getting getting some graphics up on screen for that. And I think I think need well, like songs written for him, ballads. Yeah, no, no, I will. Statues. Yes, now, I want I want to say two things that I hope the audience you know might be able to pick up from that experience that. Uh, StreamYard and this technology that we use to do the show is pretty amazing. It is. And you know it's, 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 Mercedes is able to jump in and go, well, I've sort of watched it so I can do it. And it might not be smooth, but it also, so, but it, it, it's, it's, it's one thing to take away is this technology makes it incredibly easy to make this accessible and to do a show like this. And I, I, I mean, I hate to, promote competition, right? But no, if, if uh, and this is like, I, I can't build an audience because people go, this is to do a podcast, and then they all want to leave and do their own. Uh, but I encourage that. You know, I want people to, to, you know, everybody who has a passion and a voice to be empowered to speak out. And I want there to be competition in independent media, absolutely. Um, principle before personal profit. But uh, the art that CJ does every day is also uh, another level of, of application of this technology, right? That's the other takeaway. I think Mercedes. he went to school for it, and I did not, and you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, he didn't go to school. So he did go to school for, for something related, but the producing of the show that he does on a daily basis of flowing with the graphics and the links and everything, like boom, boom, boom. He's, he's, he, is, he has developed a, 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 a competent master of the media as an artist. He has a formula and he is a master at that. And you can tell. Right. And and we appreciate it. Right. He's like like, like a painter who has gotten very good with their technique. Yes. So as far as comments go, we loved um, the guest. Great. uh, Craig did say great guest today, guys. I agree. Um, I was also geeking out with you backstage, which is kind of why I got kind of distracted because I was so absorbed in the conversation. I was like, "Oh crap, I'm supposed to be working." Um, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. You, Dar- Dar- that was. Uh, I mean, we didn't know anything about him other than you know the, the show notes, briefs, and getting hooked up with him through Plumoff. And you know, thank you, Michael, again. But uh, that was. It was a really, re- you know, affirming. And I was just like, "There's someone doing this." Yeah, let's get him on the show. Like it was a new question. But then you go, you know, it's it's. It's so reaffirming of some like really deeper. I, I mean, dare I say, libertarian spirituality principles. Yeah, I agree. And also, I should mention today is the full moon, so be aware. Werewolves oh. <laughs> are about. It's cool, but yeah, just a lot of different um, comments about uh, our guest. I mean, it wasn't really super, super. Um, busy i don't i don't know which ones we should pack up or <laughs> mark Tom, like i'm just I'm, I'm still just in the interview like mark thomas Payne said activism is doing it yourself and taking full control over your own personal organics and that's, that's definitely i so just to be like that's i i would say i i would only i would re, i would reverse <laughs> around the is doing it yourself and taking full control over your personal organics is activism Activism is definitely broader than that, at least the way I use the term. Um, and and I, I it, it's very subjective. This is a, a certainly a subjective definition. I'm not trying to pretend that this is the standard universe. But when I talk about act- everybody active at, is active in an activist in different ways. Most, I would say, most people. But no, I, I define activism as conscientious engagement with the world to make it a better place. 
you know, uh, sort of to, to create value outside yourself. Um, and, you know, rather than, than directly for yourself, uh, kind of selflessness. And I, I don't pretend to, I, I still believe in the, you know, Ayn Rand analysis of altruism. I'm, if, if I serve humanity or if I'm being charitable because I want to be, it's the world that I want to see. It's yeah. seeing, you know, a bigger interest beyond your immediate self and taking satisfaction in, in, uh, by your definition and knowing that it's your definition, but that, that you are, uh, serving a cause greater than yourself, you are contributing to people's lives outside of your own, and uh, so anything that's that that conscientious engagement to make the world a better place, excuse me, is is activism, and so it's very inclusive. But no, it's worth pointing out, and and I don't know if I want to do this analysis right now, but there is a, you can look at America. There is at least a chunk of America that are not activists at all. They are like. Uh, they, they deliberately are, uh, uh, I don't want to say self-centered because a lot of them are nice functioning people who are polite and courteous and respectful and give to charity and um, uh, are, you know, nice to their families and their communities, but they have no deliberate engagement beyond that. There's a sort of deliberate uh, acceptance of blinders, of limiting of engagement with the world. And I, I think that's, that's very sad. Um, but if you take that fully inclusive concept of activism, uh, very few people fall into that completely oblivious category. But most Americans, I don't know, like somewhere 70 to 90 percent, something like that, are, uh, are activists in some way, even if it's just I recycle, you know, and I feel good about it. Yeah. If you minimize it down okay. to... To basic recycling, then yes, I would agree and with that assumption. For most people, for most people, <laughs> yeah. still, if that's still, the bar, the it goes from like zero. Like if it's if it's if it's you know you want to do from <laughs> you know zero that gets you to ten percent of the population, then it's at like one. It, it, it creeps up, and then there, there's like then there's a small part of the population that's like if the start of activism, major is activists are most of their lifetime. Yeah, if, if the start of, if the bare minimum of being an activist is being aware of your surroundings and being conscientious of how you impact it, and that's all, then I'm, I'm good with that. Just be right. aware. Um, but yeah. So, shall we, uh, see if we can cover, uh, this, this vaccine block? For COVID in How 10 minutes, one, I think I can race through it. We're gonna, well, well, we're going to start. We're going to start with the Daily Star article, and I've got. Wait, which one is that? If we're going to. I got 13. Is very appropriate. Uh, unlucky 13. Um, 13 stories to cover the whole vaccine. From starting, and the first one's not vaccine. It's Elon Musk because I got to remind people, right? Elon What's Musk. the point of all this? You got Daily Star, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg. I don't have that one. Hold on. Hold on. It's a few few and we skip. I skipped. uh, I'm skipping ahead. I'll just pull it back up in the links. Which one was it? The Daily Star. Star. So Daily Star end to the the end of the list. That's what we're going to do now. Guess what I have. You ready? Yeah, but I don't want me up on screen. Okay. All right, well, now I'm frozen with my face all huge. All right. Shall we do this? You feeling ready? I'm ready. If you got the are, next link? I, 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 I think I have them all now. All right, let's do it. Okay. So, yeah, get me on full with the uh, over the shoulder. Oh, geez. And now it's funny because 
I think as Mercedes is doing funny stuff behind the scenes, where uh, <laughs> my 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 side freezes. But no, go ahead and get get that. Can can we get that that graphic full in the box there so people can read this headline if they're watching? No, 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 no. In in that box, like make it bigger on that browser. No, no, no. Small box, so. <laughs> Like smaller box over the shoulder. I'm so confused. <laughs> Hold on. What it's okay. What do you mean? I'm used to CJ. CJ's I know. Like, CJ's oh, probably oh. sleeping. Okay. But this is this is an important block. This is like I really want to. I know. Do this one. That's why I'm like, is it this one that you want? Yeah. Yes. That. Okay, but without. <laughs> and then, can you make in in this box? You've got all this white space. You see that? It's gonna. It's it's hard to read. You know, the white space around. <laughs> no. Can you zoom in on the on the story there in your point? <laughs> and then you gotta play the corona graphic too, the corona video. <laughs> I can Adam, I don't know what's going on and I cannot make it bigger. <laughs> All right, let's just go through the headlines. Get the, yeah. Um, no, so in your browser, if you do Control Plus, it'll probably just visually with that without changing anything else in there. Can you can can you do Control Plus on top of this window and zoom in on that? <laughs> All right, we need, we need to get on with it. Now this is this is going to be like the last fifteen minutes of the show. <laughs> Mercedes figuring out Streamyard, trying to trying to live up to CJ standards. Should we just do it? All right, maybe CJ can help you Wait, behind. Oh us. my well, god! No. <laughs> is that big enough? Is That's that what big she enough? Said. That's exactly. No, 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 no. It's it's the, you see you've got it framed somehow. Like you're zoomed down on it so that it appears with this huge white margin around it. Not anymore. I zoomed in. No, it's still. Do you see the screen that I see? The the live screen. I it's, see you and me in small boxes and my computer screen very large on the screen. Yes, but there's a huge white area around the news story. Not anymore. That was my screen. I zoomed in. That's. Are we not seeing the same thing? Maybe not. Are we in different dimensions? Maybe. Look at it live on uh, on Twitter, and, and you can see where it's live time. What it looks like is only on Adam versus the man. Of course, but no. You see, there's a huge margin around it. People can't read the headline. What? I mean, I can. I, I can. It's big enough to read it now, but you still got this. And I can see all your tabs no, and stuff. No, no. Uh, yeah, you, you definitely do not have the same screen I have because I can't oh. see my tabs or anything. I'm this online. This is that interesting. I'm so online StreamYard is, yeah, StreamYard is giving you something different behind the scenes. Even even when I'm looking on Facebook right now and I'm seeing on Facebook what I'm seeing on my screen. So it's not me. It's it's you, Adam. Is there not a big white margin around the news story on this? I'll I'll pull it up. No, yeah, no. It says right here I have validation. Not anymore. It looks good. It, it it's, it's I'm I'm messing stuff up, but this is not. What <laughs> <it is. laughs> 
I, that can All control right, well, plus thing works. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna remove. All right, my- then let's do it. Let's get into this. Let's get let's run through this uh, vaccine block. See if we can do it. Maybe it could be Streamyard is just sending me something weird. That's totally possible. But all right, let's get into it. The, all right, so play, go go ahead and play me in on the Corona video. All right, now for this Corona block, we are going to be focusing on the vaccines. But before we do that, I have to remind you the purpose of all of this, as is generally the purpose of government itself, to keep the super rich getting richer at the expense of the rest of us. Daily Star has this headline, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, and Jeff Bezos' fortunes grew by 600 billion pounds during the pandemic. And the, the the headline in American terms, you know, different dollar system, of course. And uh, we use we use the imperial measuring system because we're not imperialists at all. Uh, but yes, a 931 billion by U.S. dollars. So this is the numbers are 614 billionaires in America. Their bank balances have increased by a mega 931 billion dollars since the virus. First took hold. The economy has tanked so far this year with millions of jobs in line and budgets for many tighter than ever. And of course, since this is the Daily Star in the UK, food banks are being used more than ever with figures showing a 61% increase in food parcels being given out. This is a global phenomenon. And in a sense, in terms of corporatism in the United States, we're number one, and we get to brag about having some of the greatest unnatural, caused only by statism concentrations of wealth and power. And and you look at Elon Musk, uh, Tesla, uh, all, all the other innovation that that we that, that of course I want to celebrate. Uh, even you know uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, Amazon, and and the development of online retail as as much as there is a profiteering from corporatism, I want to celebrate the entrepreneurship, the innovation, the efficiency, and even Mark Zuckerberg. As much as I want to rail on the evils of Facebook and have been shadow banned and censored there so many times myself for uh, obviously uh, politically motivated uh, narratives where, where I'm not violating community service guidelines or anything like that. Uh, the innovation of social media. I mean, even if Zuckerberg uh, is the product of the craziest conspiracy theories and how they beat MySpace, remember when everybody was Tom's friend back in the day? And this 614, you know, we, we talk about the super class, and, and um, some people refer to it as the predator class, and I kind of like separating out the idea that there are people who uh, are billionaires for righteous reasons, although staying a billionaire and profiteering off this evil system and not putting that money towards doing something about it. uh, it, it, Yeah, problematic, so to speak. But there are people, it it is the the super class, uh, the, the wealthiest several hundred people in the world who are driving the bus, who are running this racket who are directly profiteering 
from the coronavirus uh, hoax. Uh, not that the virus isn't real, but the, the fear, the everything around it. So to the vaccines now and how this is relevant to you, Axios.com has this headline, Fauci vaccine numbers below target set for end of December. Anthony Fauci told CNN on Tuesday that Operation Warp Speed will not reach its goal of having 20 million Americans receive the coronavirus vaccine by the end of December. By the numbers, only 2.1 million people have received the first dose of the vaccine with nearly 11.5 million doses distributed as of Monday, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Now, I don't remember exactly what date it was, but I'm pretty sure we're somewhere around the, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're coming about a, like a, a couple months from the, uh, the one-year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve. You remember that? I don't know. We're in Corona time. Things are a little distorted. But at some point, uh, most of a year ago, maybe maybe a few months short of a year, was two weeks to flatten the curve. What are you going to do to celebrate when one year comes up from that day, uh, when the targets keep moving? And there have been other stories recently about Anthony Fauci deliberately manipulating, uh, misrepresenting, the, moving the goalposts, uh, so to speak, and, and deliberately dishonestly misrepresenting in a manipulative manipulative way uh, the numbers that would be needed for the, the, the lockdowns to be eased up. You know, and and it, it, it is maddening. If, if, if you are still falling for this, I, I mean, I like to say, oh, I got a government bridge to sell you, but I, I don't want you to keep falling for this. I, I, it, 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 there has to be a, a kind of waking up from one of the most dangerous side effects of the coronavirus, which affects people who don't even get it, which is the unquestioning obedience to authority. And one of the more dangerous ways this is coming about, as we've predicted with the vaccine, we get from Union, L'Unione Sarda, this is uh, .it, and uh, in, for, for, so from Italy, the headline is, in Spain, a register, for those who refuse the vaccine, it will be shared with EU countries. The register will not be public yet because you can trust government to keep your – I'm sorry, I'm a veteran. I've had my Social Security leak more times than I know. The register will not be public, but sharing it with other European countries could lead to uh, a travel ban. Yeah, yeah, no surprise. Uh, next headline related to the, this from the DailyBeast.com, vaccine passports are big tech's latest dystopian nightmare. At least we have some perspective on this. Uh, the sub-headline there is, fuck the algorithm with the U asterisked out, of course. It is the Daily Beast, after all. Surveillance vendors are quick to insist on expensive high-tech solutions that aren't always compatible with privacy or freedom and often don't solve the problems we're facing. Surprise, surprise. So vaccine passports. That's, you know, when, when I say that technology is fundamentally empowering, but it is a double-edged sword, it also empowers government. And this is a scary way that the technology in this whole bioterrorism racket is being used against us. So to some of the vaccines themselves, our next headline is from cdc.ca, Canada. Second COVID vaccine trial paused over unexplained illness. Temporary stoppages of large medical studies are relatively common. And this is from the Associated Press. Uh, Johnson & Johnson said its physicians and a safety monitoring panel will try to determine what might have caused a study participant's illness that led the company to pause its late-stage COVID-19 vaccine trial. Uh, there are a lot of problems with the vaccines being rushed. But the bigger problems are that it, it, 
I mean, you have the right to rush your vaccine. You have the right to take the vaccine. I wouldn't, you know, I, I believe in vaccine freedom, and that means accountability for people who uh, hurt people with poisons, with toxins, with bad things in their vaccines. And when they're rushing and saying, and we're not going to be held accountable, that's a bigger problem. And some of the bullying, again, related headline with the passports in Europe comes from CBS Boston. Next headline, COVID-19 vaccine passport. You might need it to travel in 2021. And this is already a huge, relevant pain in the butt for me. I'm getting ready with my wife to go on our honeymoon in Hawaii. And we have to take a COVID-19 test in order to fly. Um, it could be a false positive for either one of us. And, and it's, it's just all, nope, you're not going anymore. Uh, next headline from Newsweek. And, and there's so many manipulations around this as well. And, and I, I don't even think it's worth getting into this. I, I just hope that you would say, uh, don't unless you have some incredibly compelling reason, like you're getting paid or it's necessary for your job or to support your family or something like that, uh, to take the vaccine, to be in the first wave. Let someone else be the guinea pig for this. Uh, Newsweek has this headline, Pfizer COVID vaccine triggers its first allergic reaction in New York City. And this could go either way, but I think it plays into the uncertainty. When I say either way, as in, oh, look, there's only been one, or look, there's an allergic reaction. Uh, it, it's news that can be used to reinforce either worldview. Uh, next headline from The Independent, coronavirus Pfizer vaccine legal indemnity. And, and this is, yeah, just to underscore what they're doing right now. And this is a pattern. This is nothing new in the world of vaccines and pharmaceuticals. Reuters has this headline, and uh, Merck accused of stonewalling and mumps vaccine antitrust lawsuit. This is, this is not a new story. Um, th this is going back, but just to remind people, um, and, and this goes back to uh, you know, Merck resisting accountability. This is the pattern. Uh, as a result, Merck was able to produce test results showing the vaccine was 95% effective, even though more accurate tests would have shown a lower success rate. The plaintiff said these false results kept competitors from trying to produce their own mumps vaccine since they were unable to match the effectiveness Merck claimed. Um, so there is a uh, and there, there was an antitrust lawsuit uh, uh, combined with this. Um, next from uh, ABCNews.com, uh, insists founder John Kapoor sentenced for role in fraud bribery scheme that contributed to opioid crisis. And, and this is just one example of something that uh, we, we've seen over and over again. But it relates to again th this this other immediately present thing that I hope people can relate to. But it gets worse. Uh, look at classaction.org slash Zoloft. Lawsuit, lawsuits alleged Zoloft can cause birth defects. Uh, these companies don't, like, rush to take accountability. They rush to use government to avoid it. Um, finally, to round out this headline about the profit motive, to bring it back to the original point, what's this all about? Money and power, people abusing a system, taking advantage of it for personal profit. CNN, this, and this is, this is going... Back to 2018, CNN exclusive, the more opioids doctors prescribe, the more money they make. Now, why the emphasis right here on the opioid crisis in this segment? Well, this is the background upon which the coronavirus crisis, the hoax, the racket of it all hit. This is the reality of the current healthcare system and corporatism and modern pharmaceuticals and the intersection with government. We shouldn't be surprised at all that it results in exactly what we're seeing with the coronavirus vaccine. And that's our Corona Block for today.
Yes, Mercedes, it's definitely StreamYard. So I'm not screwing up the uh, the visual display on my end. Thank you so much for working through that and doing a great job producing that statement. Um, I don't think we're going to try to get in uh, good news today or anything else because we are a little over time. But I think it was worth it. I'm glad we got that vaccine segment out of the way. Thank you to uh, Retribution and our producers club for helping uh, bring some of the links together in that. I I mean I. I did kind of rush through it. I wanted to do a lot more, but I, I hope that really the bottom line, please, please, unless you have some exceptionally compelling reason, please don't be among the first to get a coronavirus vaccine. Um, but, yeah, uh, but let's check in with the audience at least before we do our promos and sign off, shall we? I think that would be a great idea because i got to pull the promos, Phil. Real quick. Well, and also one other one other production announcement. Uh, it looks like uh, we talked about tomorrow being a bit of a weird show potentially. Yeah. Or and and if not, we're going to. Oh, and we might have a guest tomorrow. Uh, Dia from Australia, Dia Beltran. You remember? Oh yeah. The documentary on racism. And so we'd want, we want we get her on for like a short segment to okay. to promote her documentary. But then Thursday is December thirty first. So uh, we're thinking about doing a year-in-review panel for that day. Uh, right after the show today, I'm, I'm going to be uh, – got to call Ernest Hancock back. Ernie Hancock, declare your independence. Uh, hopefully we can get him to join us, depending on his timing. He's traveling and doing his show and uh, might not be available in an overlapping time. But he does a show early, so we'll see. And uh, if anybody has any requests, um, I mean, we're just looking at – you know, we've had, we've had some great guests on this year. Maybe we could invite a couple back, but I'd, I'd like to do uh, – and, and we, we certainly involve the core team. You're going to see Mercedes and Jim and CJ on screen um, uh, for Thursday for a year-in-review show. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. So this week, tomorrow, uh, <laughs> live vaccine tests at Walgreens perhaps, uh, if not uh, at least recounting the story of that and uh, donating blood today. Let everybody know what that's like. And then um, – Thursday, we'll do a year-in-review panel, and Friday, we do our first regular uh, Cutting Edge of Good News episode. Yes. Great way to bring in the new year. Um, Absolutely. So, as far as comments, Craig is being ever nice to me, saying great job on the fly, so I do appreciate that, Craig. Thank you. Um, I thought I did well on the COVID block, but that's only because I wanted to get through it. Um, (laughs) And then... um, Colette Allen said that um, for the COVID, that it's true where she's at. They're going to tier four, 80s and over being vaccinated there. No one is accepting flights from the UK and Europe. I just ran through her comments because she did a. Wow. Hold on a second. So, and I knew that. I now, knew that there was a new strain yes, of is, COVID in the UK. This Which, is our friend, producer club member Colette, who is in London, right? I believe. I think Yeah. So. And if not, at least you go. And, not here. She's not here. Right. Across the pond. Yeah. Uh, and none of the other stuff, <clears throat> she said, you said surprise me, except really the last thing is it was huge. Um, tier, they, they have a tiered system for the UK for their lockdowns. And yeah. so, you know, oh, we're on tier. It's like 
color-coded terrorism threat alert levels. Like we were at red, and now we're at orange or yellow. Yeah, uh, and and so we have to be a little more scientific about it. So tier one, tier two, and California has some similar um, whatever system. (laughs) But um, the the way that the vaccines are getting out, you know, not surprising, but they're saying – you cannot, that no other European countries are accepting flights from the UK. Yeah. That, is that correct? Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. That is, that's pretty big. That, that means that they, they, the, the, the EU decided to do pre- Brexit for them. It was like, uh, <laughs> I had to. Uh, uh, the, the yeah. rest of Europe just, just took the island. It was like, you guys are quarantined and you're on an island, so you don't have a choice. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, it's yeah, it's uh sort of post bullying, maybe. No, it's it's definitely there's a new virus and they don't want another Wuhan and if they super lock in their minds, I'm not saying I agree, but in their minds for the safety of the world, if they lock down this country and isolate the threat to them, then it's for yeah. greater good. No, and and I and and, and I, in that sense, I I do I don't believe that either. But I do want to uh, say that I, I want to remind people as, uh, why I'm not angry, or why I'm not angrier, right, right about all this, is that for most people it's naivete, it's response to incentives, and there is a kind of benign error on the side of caution, genuine motivation for most people who are doing wrong things around COVID. Um, and, and it's still like, let us, let us not be reduced to their tactics of bullying of, uh, as that article said, portraying consensus. We're going to, we're going to port, you have to get, look, well, everybody's doing it, you know, really. Bandwagon fallacy and peer pressure. It's um, um, emotional and psychological manipulation. Yeah. yeah we yeah. can, you know, Logic and reason, when applied to to help make other people's lives better, are driven by love, and and that's uh, so important to keep in mind when we're facing. You know what, what we see a lot of we, like a, a lot of people who we happen to be in the same camp with now uh, politically about Corona are, and I would I dare I say, uh, well not most, but whatever it is, a good chunk of people who share our general analysis of corona have taken an attitude of animosity toward the tyrants and the Karens. And and I hope that uh, we can demonstrate that a, a positive, still loving, calm uh, approach even to, to the worst drivers of the, the crisis is, is more conducive to ad- advancing a, a better world. I like to remind people that when you can't control the world, you can still control yourself and how you react determines your world. So it's, it's, it's pretty deep, but uh, yep. yeah. it'd be like that sometimes, yo. Yeah. Well, but looking at the good news for this day in history, none of it's important. Any critical comments before we sign off? No, just that Colette's in Cheshire and her daughter has it. All right. That's it. That's all we got. So I'm going to let you just be um, the big person now.
And here and Colette wins on behalf of the producers club today because she's already a member with our best comments with that kind of reporting from across the pond. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for all of your comments today, everybody who's trying to win membership in the producers club. Producers club versus the rest of the audience. Producers club one, rest of the audience zero as of today. And five quick promos to round out the show. Go to amversestheman.com. Find Patreon. Sign up. Support the show. Ten dollars a month, especially producers club level. You also get 15% off and free shipping at the store at adamversustheman.com when you're a Producers Club member on Patreon for $10 a month or more. Don't forget to also go to makethemdebate.com, see if you can help make a debate happen. This is our last week. We're giving this website a chance. So makethemdebate.com, you can find my profile. You can organize debates. Cool system. We'll see if we can make it work. And cigarfederation.com, where promo code ADAM1080 AM10. Gets you 10% off. And finally, follow us at the Garden of Freedom on Instagram for updates from Gardenia. And with that, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.